0: Welcome to Dungeons and Daughters, where I, the daughter, get to play Dungeons and Dragons with my mom. Last time on Dungeons and Daughters. Sid went hunting for Orland. With help from Kara's brother Arland, she found him hiding with Tyrann's worshippers up at the farm's mill. Instead of coming back to face Kara's wrath, Orland tried to convince Tyrann's adherents that Sid was a witch. When Arland knocked him out with a suspicious-looking flash of light, the crowd believed him and charged. Sid and Aralond picked up the kidnapper and raced the mob back to the kitchen where they could make a plan to leave the farm. And now, Chapter 5, The Exit. You're standing in the kitchen with Kara and Aralond. Aralond is holding a sleeping Tiffany as well as her pack. Kara is holding her own pack. Orland is unconscious on the floor in between the three of you and Kara's eyes flick down to him and she looks back up at you. What should we do with him?
1: I think we should take him with us.
0: She nods. I can carry him. Okay. Get him and let's go. So I'll pick him up,
1: fling him over the shoulder. I don't really care about his comfort right now.
0: (laughs) Toss him over like a sack of grain. Yeah, yeah. So you've got him and your own pack. My pack and him, yeah. And you guys head out the door of the farm. While you are crossing the farmyard, I would like you to make a stealth check for me. I rolled an 11.
1: Do I include my modifier, too,
0: as well? Your modifier and if you're proficient in it. Yeah, I am. Yeah, so it's a plus six. Okay, so yeah. So a 17. With a 17, you step out the door of the kitchen, and the three of you pause for a moment and look around and don't see anybody and make a mad dash for the gate. Once you get there, you take a second and look back. No one seems to have clocked your exit. The three of you step through the gate and out of the farm into the fair. And in the short time you have been away from it, it has changed again. The crowd that had been concentrated in front of the wandering vine has dispersed again. And now they are clustered in groups of 20 to 50 people around individual performers and they are all having a blast, having a great time and people are wandering in between performances and tents just kind of as the fancy takes them Okay. Kara and Aralon stop just outside of the gate both of them pick a direction and their eyes sweep over the crowd and then they come back and look at each other something passes between them for a second but they don't say anything out loud and then Aralon says Sam's tent will be empty we can hide there and Kara nods sharply and says let's go Okay. So we're going to run this section like stages. There are a certain number of stages. You don't know how many I do. Mm-hmm. In each stage, you will have the opportunity to move up to your speed, which is 30 feet. Mm-hmm. Um, you will have the opportunity to act. You can either use that to dash another 30 feet or do some other kind of action to either help you or hinder someone else. And then there will be an extra roll with your d20. And then, depending on what you roll on this little event table that I have, things will happen to you as you cross the fair. You may notice things, you may see people, things may pop up. Okay. You ready? Yes. Okay. And you head off. You make your first movement of 30 feet following Kara yes okay what would you like to do would you like to continue moving in a dash would you like to do anything
1: i'll just move at the speed they're moving if they're speed walking or or what have you yeah Um,
0: they are walking purposefully through the fair and they are completely uninterested in the rest of the crowd around them and so we'll take this action to move forward another 30 feet okay Tiffany is still sleeping, despite the noise around them, Mm -hmm. um, around around you all. She's probably exhausted. Probably. You follow along with Orland over your shoulder. Could you make a perception check for me?
1: Okay, I rolled a nine plus three. Okay, so 12 then.
0: With a 12, you are also moderately uninterested in what the crowd has to say. You're focused on following these people who definitely seem to know where they're going. Could you roll a d20 for me and don't add anything to it? Two. With a two. Kara and Aralond had managed to get a little, like, a few steps ahead of you, and you kind of half jog to keep up with them. And as you reach them, you see in the crowd ahead of you, someone come around a corner with an intent look on their face, like they are looking for something. And I would like you to make a stealth roll while I make a perception roll. Okay. Uh, 13 with a 13 you reach out with your free hand and tap Kara on the shoulder and she looks up just in time to see this person clock all three of you and charge Uh oh Uh oh this person comes running at you and pulls a dagger out of their cloak okay what you gonna do
1: what am i gonna do mm-hmm. well i don't want to draw too much attention to this mm-hmm. this crowd so i'm not going to use my gun <laughs> That seems wise. But he's obviously coming at us to attack. So I'm going to grab my dagger out of my boot Mm -hmm. and
0: try and fling it at him. Okay. Make a ranged attack roll. So that's going to be a 20 and you're going to add your dexterity for ranged attack. Dexterity. Because you got to aim. Okay. Uh 20. Ooh, natural 20? Natural 20. Natural 20. (laughs) All right. As you see this person come running at you you don't even think your hand drops from Kara's shoulder down to your boot pulls a dagger out and whips it whips it good (laughs) (laughs) at the person coming at you with a knife of their own and it sinks straight between their eyes with this sickening little crunch noise
1: was he ahead of us
0: yes they he was ahead of you and coming at you okay um and he crumples to the ground
1: okay as I as I pass him I'm gonna grab my knife back
0: again wise okay and move forward another 30 feet yes okay you take point um Kara seems a little bit stunned at what has just happened Aralond seems to be shuffling around like he's trying to get a hand free and you take point as you guys rush forward another 30 feet what would you like to do for your action
1: I'm gonna scan the crowd and make sure that or or see if anyone else has noticed us and is coming after us.
0: Okay, I would like you to make an investigation check. Investigation,
1: and that's a plus five, so 19.
0: Okay. You pull your party over into the shadow of a tent and take a moment to do a scan of your own across the fair. And you identify the patterns of people who are clustered around performances. You see that little boy with the flute, again, Mm -hmm. has a cluster of about 30 people around him who are dancing happily to his music. And you notice that all of them are holding red cups. You also pick out several people... Here and there in the fair, they don't seem to be clustered. They don't seem to be moving in a specific direction. But you see people who are not going with the flow of people wandering between performances. They're doing their own thing. And with that, I think you will be able to pick those people out of a crowd a little bit better. Okay. And so I'm going to give you advantage on perception checks from here on out. Okay. And tell me again what that means. That means that you can roll a die twice and take the higher number. Okay, that's what I thought.
1: Just just checking for our audience who may not remember what
0: that means. Right. Yes. That's what I'm for doing the, for the benefit of the audience. Uh huh. Sure. Okay. Could you roll a d twenty again for the event table? Oh, one you flash a hand signal to the people behind you that they just assume means follow me and you step around the corner and immediately are swarmed by a flock of people who are wandering from performance to performance these people are laughing a lot and a little bit belligerent like they're not angry but just they don't seem to care if they bump into you guys a little bit. You notice that these guys are holding blue cups, and I would like you to make a constitution saving roll for me. Hmm. Six. You take a deep breath to center yourself and get through this, and as you exhale, your mind gets a little bit softer, a little bit fuzzier, and it's a little difficult for you to make a fast decision. And so I'm going to immediately erase that advantage I gave you. And now all of the checks that you make are going to be at disadvantage until you can use an action to constitution save. Okay. And beat a number that I have in my head. Okay. When can I do that? You can do that with your action in each turn. Okay. What would you like to do? Would you like to act? Would you like to run? Are these people
1: going in the direction we need to be going? Are they kind of moving No, they're kind
0: of like moving perpendicular to you they're like a conga line coming past kind of a thing
1: okay then i think perhaps we just keep trying to make for the where okay. we're going sam's tent so move 30 feet
0: okay you move 30 feet and move past this flock of people leaving them behind you have your action do you want to keep moving yes okay you move another 30 feet and i'd like you to make another roll on your event table my event table 12 with a 12 the noise of the crowd overwhelms you for just a moment. The white noise of everything around you kind of brings visual details into sharper focus. And you look up and around while you're moving and you see that the clearing in front of the wandering vine where you had found Errolond earlier is approaching. And you can see that on either end of the clearing, two big stages have been set up. There are performances going on on each end. In the middle of the clearing, the Wandering Vine is still open, still has its roaring trade going, but the crowd has thinned a little bit, and so there is an area that's relatively clear of people in between these concerts leading up towards the Wandering Vine. Aralon turns to look at you and says, You remember where Sam's tent is, right? Behind the Wandering Vine? Yes. Okay. He shifts Tiffany around a little more. Let's go! And he wobbles on his feet a little bit. Okay. Following. Okay. You guys go another 30 feet. Do we go
1: through the wandering vine or around it?
0: That's up to you. Mm-hmm. You can go around the crowds or you can go through in between. The, through the, the pub. Going around will obviously take longer. Yeah.
1: And put us in more visual sight of more people, I think. Mm-hmm. So perhaps we go through.
0: Okay. You guys continue charging straight ahead and burst out of the last clump of concert goers um, and into a cleared space. Yeah.
1: So they were just kind of milling in between both.
0: Yeah. There are some stages. people who are going back and forth. But for the most part, people have picked one and they're staying at it. Um, taking a moment to just kind of let the details come to you from the left side you hear again pulsing drumbeat and several members of a band are up on the left hand stage. They are dressed in what looks like red leather outfits. They're all matching and they're all screaming. Like scream singing. And Screamo? the Screamo? A bit, yeah. Okay. Just absolutely yelling as loud as they can, caring more about, you know, volume than what notes they're hitting. Uh-huh. But the crowd in front of them is so into it. And you can see that they are all jumping in time with the beat and slamming into each other and holding a lot of blue cups. You can see that at this distance, people around the edges. No, no,
1: I'm just like, these must be important
0: at some point, these cups. Possibly. (laughs) You'll never know unless you go find out. (laughs) The right-hand stage, again, has that pulsing drum beat, but the vibe is entirely different in this concert. There's a single musician up on the stage with a kind of like curved instrument that's producing a noise that I can only describe as melodious honking. (laughs) Honking. Like someone has taken a goose and has figured out where to poke it to cause it to produce the right notes. Also on the stage with this person are about a dozen dancers who are performing an extremely choreographed dance. Uh like they've been practicing this for days okay the crowd in this side is holding a bunch of red cups
1: so red cups blue cups are they like solo cups (laughs) don't know okay
0: they're little hands shrug your shoulders they're the little hand-sized cups that you saw people leaving the wandering vine earlier with yeah but now you're noticing the colors mm -hmm. of them
1: and they're separating off Like there's no blue-cut people over by the red-cut people? I mean,
0: a few, but for the most part, they seem to be sticking with their choices.
1: Okay. Well, that aside for now, we have a goal, so we're going to keep pushing. Keep,
0: Keep on keeping on. Okay? Could you roll on your event table again for me? Three. Okay. With a three, you, Kara, and Aralon continue charging across what's mostly empty space. And from off to the left... You hear, Miss Kara? where are you going with th- Sid? Sid, is that you? And you turn around, and you see a couple of people that you know from the farm. These people are parents of one of the other children on the farm. You know these people. You've been working on the farm for six weeks. These people are Zena's parents, and Zena is Tiffany's best friend. Oh, Okay. They were up at the mill. You remember Uh-oh. seeing them there. Yeah.
1: What do I do? <laughs> what?
0: I don't know. What do you do? <laughs> I'm asking myself. Yes. Hello. Hello, Zena's parents. <laughs> Can I help you? They look confused for a moment and they, they come a little closer and they say, Sid, you're not a witch. No.
1: I am not a witch. I promise you that. That was a mistake.
0: They seem to take you at your word. And they look over at Araland. What about him? What about him? What was that flash? He knocked out Orland. That was... Sid, I don't want to believe that you've fallen in with bad people.
1: I can promise you that I have not. It is all a giant misunderstanding that will get sorted out tomorrow. We're on our way to speak to someone who can help us fix this situation. Orland here has had too much to drink. That's why I'm carrying
0: him. And they, they seem to accept your word for that. They talk to each other for just a second. And they look back at you and say, we won't tell anyone you were here. Thank you. Thank you. We really appreciate that. And they lean a little bit closer and they say,
1: should we go too? No, no, you're fine. In fact, it might be best if you return to the farm for the night.
0: The two of them look at you and they nod. They're like, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Okay. Thank you. And they hurry off.
1: Okay. I didn't want to dagger them. <laughs> Tiffany would kill me.
0: If she found out.
1: She is asleep.
0: She is still asleep, remarkably. hmm Okay. Continue on your way? Yes. All right. Would you like to do anything with your action this time? Say, do a con save to shake off that hippie smoke. Yeah, I probably should do that. <laughs> okay. You. Roll a con save for me. Okay. 11 plus 3. Hooray! That was the number I had in my head. (laughs) (laughs) Woot! You've been uh, away from them long enough to shake off the effects of the smoke and your head feels clearer again. (laughs) Could you roll on your event table again? You guys are about halfway across the clearing between the concerts. Okay, I rolled 19. 19. Okay. With a 19, you three are charging across the field. Every moment you are spending out here is another moment for more people to find you. As you are crossing in between the two ends of the crowds, several figures break out of the one on the right, the kind of boppy, honking music crowd. Instead of coming at you, they make for the front of the crowd, pushing their way and bowling people over. Mm -hmm. And you take a second and you look at them. And it's three women who are ruthlessly bowling their way towards the stage and all three of them are wearing outfits made of a material that catches and reflects the light back it's so eye-catching it's hard not to look at them right while you're watching they climb up onto the stage and all three of them turn around and they're holding something in their hands that they hold in front of their face and the three of them start to sing
1: well that was neat Mm -hmm. (laughs) a bit rude shove through the crowd like that
0: details you notice mm-hmm. keep charging keep charging okay you run another 30 feet do you want to do anything i think the sooner we're out of this crowd anyway the better okay keep moving you guys keep moving not real. not not sprinting nobody's sprinting around here but moving with purpose and the front of the wandering vine is looming larger and larger as you this make your way quite a big field if i said it was a few acres mm-hmm. roll on your event table again four as you guys are coming up to the Wandering Vine, the crowd starts to get a little bit thicker because this is where the food and drink are and people are going to need that all night long. The surge of people around you makes it a little bit dip more difficult to get through the crowd. And for this next stage, your movement is going to be halved.
1: Okay. My thought of going through the Wandering Vine was I remember that it was kind of empty in mm-hmm. the back
0: and I thought maybe we
1: could sneak around. Skirt around the outside. and Skirt around of- the the outside of the bar area okay to get to the other side so that's why i'm heading for the wandering vine instead of going around because i'm trying to find places pockets of places where no people are okay because we are conspicuous (laughs) it's true especially because we don't seem to be moving with the crowd so much as against it Mm -hmm. so right now i'm just keep you know keep on keep on keeping on yeah
0: but maybe angling a little more towards one side or the other yeah which side are you going to towards the the bar side you know so we can go around the back of it like i did when i went with Errolon back there right that means you're going to be veering off towards the right okay so you angle around the crush of people heading in for their drinks and their food and make your way around through a crush of people that are wandering between the boppy music and where the alcohol lives. Okay. Um, and it takes you a, a little bit longer to, um, You keep charging around and finally you burst through the last of the crowds of people. Behind the wandering vine, it's deserted. Okay. Just absolutely Good. no one there. Everyone is out towards the front. Once you are out past the people, Aralon takes point and leads the rest of you around the storeroom for the Wandering Vine and down the few tents back to Salmon Spiced Fruits. Okay. And the three of you enter the tent.
1: Yay, we made it.
0: <laughs> this episode of Dungeons & Daughters is brought to you by the lingering smell of basil on hands. This episode of Dean and Daughters is also brought to you by Laura. Laura joined our Patreon family this week, so now she gets to sit at the cool cousins table along with Kathy, Tanya, and Sam, where they get exclusive bonus content like character trivia, bloopers, and more. This week, I'm sharing a peek at my secret game master notes. They're a mess, but there are secrets in them only available to our patron family. Check out everything you're missing at patreon.com slash dungeonsanddaughters. All spelled out Dungeons A-N-D-Daughters. The three of you step into Sam's Spiced Fruits. And the interior is dark. No one seems to be in here. All that's here is the smell of spices and fresh produce. Kara immediately takes Tiffany from Arland and sets her down in a corner Aralond seems to be grateful for having his hands back and he stretches
1: mm-hmm. what do you do I'm gonna dump Orland on the ground
0: okay you let him fall to the ground and he hits with a little bit of an oof but he's still not awake okay I'm gonna do some oh some okay. calisthenics shoulders Ooh, that feels nice <laughs> sorry <laughs> live in the moment Kara begins rustling in one of her packs and says to you, Sid. So, I think it's about time you told us
1: who you are. You're right. You're right. I can't keep that from you, especially now. I am from a different planet. I came here in a small spacecraft. I am part android and my planet is dying i came here in search of a power source that we recorded as emanating from here we call it baron that is the name we got from it when we recorded the signature i was sent here by my my human to find the source of that signature that we received and i landed near alden's farm took stock of the area and learned how to fit in and not look like I just landed from outer space. (laughs) Um, I did not think that would go over well here. And so I acquired some clothing and put my skills and strength to work for the farm. The rest you know.
0: While you're speaking, the two other adults in the tent are looking at you intently and for the first time you notice you you knew that Araland was Kara's brother but you notice the exact same pair of eyes looking at you out of each of their faces. Kara's face grows more and more scrunched as she frowns harder and harder the longer you talk and Araland his mouth splits into a wide grin and his face gets brighter and brighter as you talk
1: like the comedy and tragedy masks a little bit yeah (laughs) okay
0: gosh they look alike (laughs) when you finish speaking both of them start to ask you questions at the same time and it comes out as just a jumble of words that don't make any sense and they look at each other and again something seems to flash between them Kara looks back at you and says what's an
1: android i am part machine which also probably doesn't make sense to you. But I am made of mechanical parts meshed with flesh and the usual innards, I guess you would say, of uh, uh, you, of a human. But my parts are computerized. Another word you probably don't know. This is very difficult she's, to explain.
0: She's frowning at you, but she says, show me.
1: Okay. I think what I might do is, is call up home base mm-hmm. so that it's visual and it comes over my face so that I can, you know,
0: like a projection. kind. Yeah, of like there.
1: a projection in front of my face that they could see, you know, and it's basically just my my plain old screen mm-hmm. that I would see when I contact home base mm-hmm. when I'm alone. OK. Um, and and so I'm, I'm just
0: going to do that as a demonstration. OK. As the screen pops up, both of them jump back for just a second, but almost immediately Kara comes a little closer and starts looking at this projection from multiple angles. While she's looking, you notice in like the lower left-hand corner of home base a little flashing message icon. Okay. Erland shakes himself a little bit and immediately says, what is this for? What is it? What can you do?
1: Right now I notice on my screen, this is what it's called, is a screen. That i have a message in the corner do you see the flashing i'm going to answer it or look at it and it will display on the screen i go and i pop it open and it's a message from pax it is a message from Pax. video message that they can see him talking to me
0: okay all right a little picture in picture pops up on your screen and you see pax your programmer and he looks as if he's been pulled from bed And he says, Sid, your vitals are crazy right now. Are you okay? What's going on? Message me back. Click. Okay. This is probably
1: not the most opportune time to message him back, so I'm not going to worry about that right now. I look at Kara and Errolon to see their reaction to that. I tell them that this home, this is what I call home base, and it is A, basically a repository of information where I can access just about anything I need to access as far as information goes. It is also a communication device with my planet and my human who created me, in a sense. That message you just saw was from him, and he can see my vitals such as my heart rate, blood pressure, all that stuff. I know none of this makes any sense to either of you, but I'm trying my best to explain this in your terms, and it's just not helping
0: totally fair totally valid these guys don't have a frame of reference for a lot of the things you were talking about yeah but as soon as you say blood pressure Kara reaches into her hair and pulls a pin out reaches over and stabs you in the back of the hand with it oh and watches the blood well in the back of your hand she goes but you say you're a machine yes and she keeps looking at the screen that's still projecting in front of your face fascinating and she looks accepting like her immediate curiosity has been satisfied and she circles around you to the back leaving you just facing Araland and Araland is looking at you thoughtfully and he says so what kind of information do you have up there
1: I have access to information such as the history of this planet that we were able to put together before I arrived. I have access to schematics, things like uh, how to do first aid, how to check the solar system for navigational needs. I can access, it's very difficult to explain, but it's an information repository Picture a giant library full of every book you can imagine, and that is in my head, and I have access
0: to it. His eyes get wide when you mention a little giant library, and he just says, cool, we're going to need to talk sometime when things are less busy.
1: I agree, and I do also want to say that I mean no harm. I am merely here on a reconnaissance mission. And I am not here to hurt anyone. And I deeply, deeply apologize for the deception that I had to use in order to live on the farm.
0: Araland waves his hand at that and says, no skin off my back. Kara, it seems like she's stopped listening to you and is fluttering around behind you. You can feel her trying to poke through your hair to see if she can find where your machine parts are. Uh huh. She's poking me. <laughs> she's poking and prodding. Over in the corner, you hear a small snuffling, and your vision flicks over to the noise, and you see that Tiffany is starting to shuffle awake. Okay, I'm going to flick off my screen. Okay, and it winks out of existence mm-hmm. for, for them. And Erland's smile grows even bigger, if possible. Kara steps back around in front of you. I think you can be useful. Thanks for landing here. You're welcome.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm just going to kind of like nervously smile.
0: (laughs) She gives you a brief nod and then she goes over to Tiffany to kind of comfort her. She's awake in a weird place. Mm. Aralond is still looking at you. And he asks, you said your planet's dying? How do you kill a planet?
1: Overuse its resources to the point of
0: extinction. And he takes that and he mulls it over for a minute and then just kind of accepts you at your word. Okay. But what's it like there? What are where who are you? Where are you from?
1: My planet is called Earth. And it is uh, very advanced as far as tools obviously as far as humankind as far as architecture and in order to advance as much as we have resources were needed water trees, metals all that stuff was needed to advance our planet to the point that it is now Except, we had a faction of people they were rich beyond measure they were hoarding their wealth to the point of creating a planet where those less wealthy than them could not survive and they didn't care they ate up all these resources without caring for the future of our planet in order to advance their own wealth that they would never in their lifetime able to spend but it only mattered to them that they had this wealth that in itself was a wealth prestige became currency for them there are some of us who are trying to save our planet by looking for alternative energy sources one of the sources that we found or the main source that we found emanates from here my planet is dark it is overrun with smog Lack of water has um, meant that we've had to come up with creative ways to drink. (laughs) There are bands of people who are trying to rebel against the rich. And my creator, his name is Pax, is one of them. His advantage is that he is the son of the richest person on my planet. And in that capacity, he is able to help the rebels while still maintaining appearances for his father it is a tricky situation for him when we heard about this power source that could help us in our fight against the wealthy pax knew that i would be the best person to come and check it out
0: erland nods the entire time you're talking and just lets you go and he pauses for a long time when you're done with your tale seems to be thinking it over. And then he says, You know, you've said a lot of things that don't make a whole lot of sense to me. Probably don't make a whole lot of sense to anybody here, but I don't think your home is so different from mine. There are some things you should see. Some people you should meet. And he kind of lapses into silence. Okay. After a couple more minutes of silence during which you sit there and squirm uncomfortably while Orland snores on the ground in front of you. Aralond shakes himself just a little bit and kind of comes back to himself. And he looks over at Kara, who is holding a cup in front of Tiffany's mouth. And Kara looks up at him, and she looks back to you, Sid, and says, What kind of power source do you think is here? I don't know. We that's... don't have anything like you here. I understand that. But I am unsure what it is, and that
1: is my goal, is to find it. I have equipment to do so and report back to PAX on our next steps. So that's my objective. Find this power source. I have no idea where it is. The only clue I have is the mentioning of your Baron Thor and that was where i was headed next to speak
0: to baron thor you were going to run off to Sedellafest, huh eventually yes and he cracks a crooked little grin at you and he says i like your style so you your people you what have been studying us how how are you getting information about observation our king? Just purely
1: observation from our planet. It is. So you don't have a whole lot of our history? No, most of the information we have is in regards to whether we can breathe on your planet, the topography, geography, chemical makeup of the planet, that sort of thing. It has nothing available to us and no way to garner information about the history or the peoples.
0: Just, we can tell there are life forms on this planet, and that's why I came. Kara's eyes flash for a minute, but it's Aeroland who answers. And he says, when did you guys get the idea that we had something here? When did it happen?
1: I suppose in the timeline of your planet, it would be 20 years ago.
0: And the two of them look at each other again. Both of their faces get a little mournful. And this time, Kara answers, "You probably detected the aftermath of the explosion when Baron Thor killed the god Tyrin." Oh.
1: Oh, new information is making all her,
0: <laughs> all her circuits light up. <laughs> Both of them take just a second to look at each other, and then Aralond looks away and stalks out the door of the tent. Kara looks at you, holding a Tiffany who is headed back towards sleep on her lap, and says, We knew there would be consequences when we killed God. We didn't think it would affect anywhere other than here. I'm sorry. And then she lapses into silence. thanks for listening to dungeons and daughters our world is created and brought to life by shannon romansky and the show is edited and produced by stephanie romansky if you're enjoying our story please leave us a review on itunes it helps charge the black magic that runs apple podcast charts and helps get new people to check us out we'd love it if you dropped us a five-star rating and a few words telling us what you liked about the show It's a quick and easy way to give us a little boost off the ground, and we will 100% read them over and over and love them. You can also join our community on Facebook or Twitter at DNDaughtersPod, that's D-N as in Narnia, DaughtersPod, for a heads up about new episodes, memes, behind the scenes photos, and more.